Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite podcasts on folklore and mythological monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. Today we're looking at what I would call world mythology because this creature has an origin or variation within practically every mythology on the planet. We are of course talking about night hags or otherwise known as mares. They do have a lot of other names, they'll come up during this episode. I'm primarily going to refer to them both throughout this episode just to let you know and also just as a warning you've probably noticed already that this is a slightly longer episode than usual as we have so much to cover with this monster. Now we all know what nightmares are as a thing but did you know that they have a mythological background too? Night hags were generally described as a personification of sleep paralysis and felt like having a demon sitting on your chest looking down at you. There's a really good and famous painting of this that we'll talk about later, which shows what this is traditionally seen as a night hag. If you didn't know, sleep paralysis is a condition during waking up or falling asleep in which a person is aware, but they're unable to move or to speak. It does like full on freeze you up like a board. It is quite scary. During an episode, you can hallucinate, which often results in extreme fear. Episodes of this generally last less than a couple of minutes, but it can be recurrent and people can suffer with it from childhood for the rest of their lives. Sleep paralysis has been described throughout history and cultures and is often involved in stories about alien abduction and other paranormal such events. In the general sense though, throughout most mythologies the night hag was believed to ride horses as well, which left the animals exhausted and covered in sweat by the morning. She could also entangle the hair of a sleeping person or animal which led to the extreme bedhead of the victim in the morning. Even trees were thought to be ridden by the mare, resulting in branches being entangled. To this day, many twisted pine trees that you can see growing on coastal rocks in Sweden, they're called Martala, or mare pines, or in Germany, they're Alptramkaifer, which are nightmare pine. But generally, there's not a whole description of what nightmares are. They are very much described within their separate mythologies, which is what I'll go through within the next 20 minutes or so. So the word mare comes from the old English town mare, which is with the A-E mixed old English spelling. Other countries and languages do have other words for the word mare, but please bear with me with my pronunciations and stuff throughout. It's a very tough one this week for my poor one fluent language brain. Most scholars trace the word back to the word root mare, which either means crushing, pressing or oppressing, and it can also mean to rub away or to harm. However, other etymologies have been suggested, such as the Greek word moros, meaning doom. I can tell you that the night hag myth seems to go back to the root of this word, which was about 1st century BC, as the inability to move was widely considered the work of demons, and more specifically, demons called incubi and succubi, which were thought to sit on the chests of sleepers. There are some very cool seductive demons that we'll cover in another episode. They are very, very cool creatures. I'm excited to cover those with you. In Old English, the name for these beings was Mare, hence the name Nightmare. So that's a cool little etymology for the word Nightmare for you. Now, shall we get into the nitty gritty of different types of specific Mares, shall we? 
We'll start in Europe as this is where it kind of derives from and to be fair where I'm from and we're going to look at the most interesting ones as there are literally so many I can't possibly list them all without sending you all to sleep and we definitely don't want you to do that during this episode. So in Maltese folklore they link sleep paralysis to an attack by the Hedella a monster that haunts people similar to a normal ghost or poltergeist. In order to get rid of the Hedella, you have to put a silver knife under your pillow to stop it coming back. In Finnish mythology, there is an evil elf called the Detan, who transforms into a bird and sits on the chests of sleeping people, giving them horrific nightmares. In Greece and Cyprus, it's believed that sleep paralysis occurs when a demon called Vranas, similar to a vampire, sits and tries to steal the victim's speech or suffocate them in their sleep. In Spanish legends, the Pasanta is a giant cat or dog that goes into people's houses in the night and puts itself on their chests, making it very difficult for them to breathe and causing them horrible nightmares. It's described as black, hairy and having steel paws so you can't shake them off. In Sardinia, one of the islands off of Italy, they believe the cause of sleep paralysis to be the Amutadori. This creature sits on the chests of sleeping victims, suffocating them and ripping the skin with its nails. It's also believed that this demon wears seven little red caps on his head, and if the victim steals one of the caps, they will find a hidden treasure as a reward for surviving. How kind! In Latvian folk culture, sleep paralysis is caused by a ghost called the Lituvans, which tortures and strangles its victims. It's thought to be the soul of a murdered person and attacks people and animals. When being attacked, the victim would need to wiggle their left big toe to get him off. It's very specific. Similarly, in Croatian mythology, Mora is a dark spirit from the Slavic mythology who appears as a beautiful woman to visit men in their dreams, torturing them with desire before killing them. Some believe that Amora enters the room through a keyhole, sits on the chest of the sleeper and tries to strangle them. To repel Moras, children are told to look at the window or turn the pillow and make the sign of the cross. You could also leave a broom upside down behind your door, put a belt on top of your bedsheets or say an elaborate prayer poem before bedtime. There's a really good Scandinavian story about mares too. So in the 13th century, King Volandi died in a nightmare which was conjured by the Finnish sorceress Huld, hired by the king's estranged wife Driffa. The king had made a promise to return to his wife after three years. However, when he didn't return after ten, the queen went, sod you, hired an enchantress to either lure him back or kill him. Volandi then barely got to sleep that night when he complained that the nightmare had rode him. When the men held the king's head, it trod on its legs, breaking them, and when the guards held his feet, the creature jumped on his head, killing him instantly. In Germany, they even had a charm to keep them away. I'll recite it for you. Here I am, laying down to sleep. No nightmare shall plague me. Until they have swum through all the waters that flow upon the earth and counted all stars that appear in the firmament. Thus help me Godfather, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Lastly, in Poland, a mare was a physical being. It could be the soul of a person, alive or dead, such as someone who was wronged or someone who died without confession. Other signs of someone being a mare could be, very unfortunately, being the seventh daughter in a family. Having your name pronounced the wrong way during your baptism doesn't really sound like your fault, but okay. 
having multicolored eyes, or even just having a unibrow. I just love the idea that Frida Kahlo could be just someone who could sit on people's chest in the night. If a woman was promised to marry a man and he married someone else, the rejected one could also become a mayor during the nights. People believe that the mayor drained people, as well as cattle and horses, of energy and or blood during the night. Now we're going to hop on over to Asia. Some of these are a little bit more unspecific, but the meaning of the sleep paralysis term in these separate languages mean different cultural things linking us to the night hag myths. So in Thailand, it's believed that sleep paralysis and discomfort during sleep is caused by the ghost of the Thai folklore known as Phi Am. This ghost has even caused people bruises, they've woken up with scratches. It's insane, they're quite scary stories. In Eastern Chinese folklore, it's believed that mice can steal a human's breath for longevity and the ability to turn into humans at night. In other Chinese culture, sleep paralysis is known as Guya Shen, which literally translates into ghost pressing on body or ghost pressing on bed. In Japanese culture, sleep paralysis is referred to kanashibari, which literally means bound or fastened in metal. That's quite a scary imaginative sight. Over in Korea, sleep paralysis is called gawi nulim, literally being pressed down by something scary in a dream. They believe that a spirit or ghost is pushing down on the victim's chest. In Mongolian culture, nightmares in general, as well as sleep paralysis, are referred to kardraka, meaning to be pressed by the black or when the dark presses. In Philippine culture, sads, which is sudden adult death syndrome, much like the infant version SIDS, have been attributed to nightmares and sleep paralysis too, which is just a really sad fact. In Kashmiri mythology, this is caused by an invisible creature called the Pasik Dar. Some people believe that the Pasik Dar lives in every house and attacks someone if the house has not been cleaned, which I just love the idea of, or if God has not recently been worshipped in the house. It can also be summoned if someone gets off on the misery of others, or likes a cheeky bit of Satanism. In Pakistan, sleep paralysis is considered an encounter with Satan, evil jinns, which is another mythological creature we'll cover another time, or demons who have possessed them. It's assumed that it's caused by the black magic performed by enemies, or people jealous of other people. Children, and especially young girls, wear the Tawiz, which is a special amulet which wards off evil eye. You've probably seen this in loads of tourist shops in European countries, Middle Eastern countries. It's a little trinket you can take home with you. In Arab culture, sleep paralysis is often referred to as Jathum, literally what sits heavily on something. In folklore across other Arab countries, the Jathum is believed to be a demon sitting on top of the person and choking them. It's said that it can be prevented by sleeping specifically on your right side and reading a verse in the Quran. In Turkish culture, sleep paralysis is often referred to as karabasan, which means the dark presser or a sailor. It is believed to be a creature that attacks people in their sleep, pressing on their chest and stealing their breath, similar to that mouse in the Chinese folklore as well. Let's head over to Africa now. Specifically in Egypt, it's believed to be an evil African queen's ghost that is haunting souls, which she is trying to capture before being chased off by the guardian spirits. In Zimbabwean Shona culture, the 
word madzikarira is used to refer to something strongly pressing down. This refers to the spiritual world in which an evil spirit tries to use its victim for some evil purpose. They also believe that the only people that can be affected by this have witches as relatives. How spooky is that? And lastly, we're going to hop over to the Americas. So during the Salem witch trials, several people reported attacks by some of the alleged witches that may have caused some sleep paralysis. In many parts of the southern United States, this is known as a hag, and the event is said to predict an upcoming accident. In Mexico, it's believed that this is caused by the spirit of a dead person. The ghost lies down upon the body of the sleeper, rendering them unable to move. People refer to this as sabuese el muerto, meaning a dead person on you. Gross. Just really gross. In Brazil, there's a legend about a mythological being called the Pisadera, or she who steps. She is described as a tall, skinny old woman with long, dirty toenails, white tangly hair, red eyes and green teeth. She lives on the roofs of houses, waiting to step on the chests of those who sleep with a full stomach. So we all know not to go for a nap after a big lunch in Brazil. Phew! I think I covered quite a few there. I bet your brain is about to explode. Whilst researching this, I was overwhelmed with how many accounts there are from different countries and cultures, and I would totally recommend having a look for yourself if you're interested. If I missed any, let me know. But generally, I think I've covered quite a good basis here. So in contemporary Western culture, the phenomenon of sleep paralysis is said to be the work of what is known as shadow people. There are three types of accounted shadow people who have been seen, a man with a hat, an old hag, and a hooded person. Sleep paralysis is known to cause hallucinations in about 20% of cases, which may explain these sightings. And sleep paralysis as well has been suggested as a possible explanation for reported alien abductions. Okay, so for modern media, this one's a bit tricky because there are a lot of TV slash movie slash cartoon slash video games that include nightmares and monsters based within nightmares. There's a Swedish horror film called Marianne, which came out in 2011 about sleep paralysis. This one is apparently very scary. There's also another spooky movie about shadow people specifically, named the same, that came out in 2013 about people who die in their sleep during a sleep study. To quickly name a few more, Dead Awake, Before I Wake, Sinister, Paranormal Activity, Slumber, Phantasm, and most famously Nightmare on Elm Street. But there are so many, it's really quite a common horror movie trope, so it's quite tricky to pull out any specifically. A good documentary that came out in 2015 talks about sleep paralysis and alien abductions alongside paranormal experiences called The Nightmare. You can watch this on Amazon Prime, I believe, but it still is actually quite scary. It's very real life. They do a lot of reenactments and they're quite frightening and some of them are animated. It's just quite spooky. And in other TV, shadow people were in an episode of The Twilight Zone back in the 90s. Bookwise, The Terror That Comes in the Night by David J. Hufford is actually really good for this subject, and he's a folklorist, so I do generally trust him. So he actually looks as well at the night hag nightmare idea within mythology rather than just sleep paralysis and the night terrors. Or if you want to go down the more sciencey route with this, there's a really good book called The Nocturnal Brain by Dr. Guy Lesteiner, which is about sleep deprivation and the effects it has on the brain long term during the night times. 
Now onto video games again. We have the same kind of thing with movies, unfortunately. There are just so many. To name a few, there's a new game actually coming out this year called Happy Game, and the kind of plot for that one is that he has to conquer his nightmares. It's quite a cute looking game, to be fair. But older ones include Alan Wake, Weird Dreams, Legend of Zelda, Neverending Nightmares, and even a couple of the old Simpsons games delve into nightmares and night terrors. Lastly, in art, which I touched on earlier, the most famous depiction of night hags is In the Nightmare by Henry Fussell, which depicts a woman asleep with what looks like a little goblin sitting on her chest. This is a very famous piece of art that personifies nightmares and I just think it's absolutely beautiful. There are a lot of independent artists though who draw up their own versions of their own night terrors. There's actually a really good comic I saw when I was younger about it which I'll post on Twitter somewhere. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? Well, I'm probably going to surprise you on this one, ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary folks. I actually fully believe that this kind of thing is believable. I'm not saying 100%, but I can see why some people would consider these to be fully real things. And I'll tell you why. I've personally suffered with nightmares and a horrifically overactive imagination since I was about 14. I developed sleep paralysis when I was about 17, and I remember the first time this happened to me, it was a large black shadow creature in the corner of my bedroom. It would then approach my bed, loom over my face, and I could feel like its dank, gross hair dripping on my face. It would be completely terrifying, would render me almost paralysed like a board, and what I'd have to do is slowly move my extremities, so my fingers, my toes, until I could move my limb, and then slowly regain full consciousness. To this day, I still sleep with a light on when I'm on my own, out of fear of it happening again. The only way I've actually managed to get through these episodes is by wiggling these extremities. It's awful. I do not wish it on anyone. My family will tell you that my nightmares and night terrors have been persistent throughout my adult life as much as my teenagedom and childhood too, which really sucks. For me, it was triggered by severe fear from stupid early YouTube jump scares, scary movies that I was too young to process properly, and just a general interest in the macabre that I couldn't explain and still, to be fair, cannot explain. I still can't watch horror movies to this day as a 26-year-old grown-ass woman, and it's really crap when you're really fascinated by this kind of thing, and your style aesthetic is emo from the noughties. However, back in the day, I imagine the threat of being murdered by Vikings, disease, your mum, your priest, your community, your horse, were pretty vivid. So I guess attributing things to personify it does make sense, especially for younger children or teenagers. Altogether, I do understand these sightings and beliefs just because it's so unbelievably convincing that these are unreal in the moment. So why not personify them within culture? I think something like this really brings people together through their own weird personal fears and revelations during sleep. So I encourage people to personify it with a night hag or demon, attempting to strangle you and see if anyone else has it. You might make a friend, swap nighttime tips, who knows? Well, I hope you managed to get a really great night's sleep after this one. I know I won't. I did my research for this one late on Saturday night and I did not sleep until gone 4am. So please enjoy the fruits of my sleepless labour. Next week, we're looking at the European folklore tale of the Changeling. These naughty little fairies that pretend to be human babies whilst the actual fairies carry off the real human baby. I hope that made sense. I'm going to talk a little bit about botchlings too as they're kind of related. They're a more fun, made-up one, but it's all jokes until people die. Anyway, join me for the baby shower next Thursday. 
For now, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you're listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd love to hear from you. The Twitter is at MythMonstersPod, or the Instagram is at MythMonstersPodcast, or you can email me, old-fashioned style, on MythMonstersPodcast at gmail.com. And share this with your pals. Who knows, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, everyone, stay spooky, and I'll see you later, babes. Thank you.